Good morning, family. It's awesome to have our guest in the assembly today. We're very, very, very grateful that of all the places you could have gone today, you chose to come here. Let's have the Kingdom Kids uh, go out at this time. I love it that the security team gives me the okay to let the kids go. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. I like that. Okay. All right. I'm going to reiterate what uh, Mike said. It was a joy to serve beside so many people that turned out to help uh, the Dajaja family uh, move in. And uh, so thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So... The exciting part of being in Christ is that our sins can be forgiven. I want to talk about that today. Would you turn in your scriptures, please, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 on your iPad or your phone or into uh, your Bible if you brought one under your arm today. As you're turning there, we're going to be talking about trusting Christ, trusting in the Lord. And we say that we have faith and we say we trust, but... Just how far does that go with you? I want us to trust Christ. I want us to get into the story of the paralytic today. The paralytic. The physically challenged man who came to the great physician, Jesus. And our text today says that he was a paraplegic. Now, do you know how many people become injured every year in America with their spinal cord, with their back? Well, in, in, the, in this fashion that are paralyzed, I'm speaking, 18,000 every year on average. Yeah, that's terrible. It, it, number one is a car accident. Number one is car accident. And then there's gunshot wounds. There's falls. Uh, there are sporting accidents. And, and now further down the line is motorcycles and four-wheelers. Now, I said further down the line because that's not number one. You would think motorcycles and four-wheelers would be number one, and it's, it's further down the line. Car accidents and being shot. Wow. And so in our story today, we want to compare the three Gospels. John does not tell about this story, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke do and uh, about the paralytic man. But listen, what I want you to see today is I want you to see the authority of Christ. And this is why we want to tell this story. So we get into our Bibles in Matthew chapter 9 and we look at the authority of Christ. We also look at his goodness. We look at his love. And so we'll look at this today. In bringing the man to Jesus, Mark says that they dug through the roof. Uh, Luke says that they removed the tiles. And Matthew, he doesn't talk about the, the roof scene at all. But Matthew does include something the other gospel writers did not include. And he says, take heart or take courage. Your sins are forgiven you. Man, men and women, need to know that their sins can be forgiven. Our sins can be forgiven today. And so let's go ahead and read the text. Matthew 9, 1 through 8. Getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. And they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralytic, take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven. 
or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed and go home. And he got up and he went home. But when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. I want to talk about this story today. Dr. Marshall Craig, when preaching a, a, a revival meeting on a university campus, he had, after the message, had extended the invitation for people to come. And people came. They came from all over the auditorium. One, the president of the student body. One, football players. Others, cheerleaders. Uh, they all began to come. Campus leaders came. But this story shares that a student, crippled young man began to make his way up as he was crawling on his hands and knees. And when he got to the front, he asked Dr. Uh, Craig, he said, can God use a wreck like me? And Marshall Craig said, God has been waiting to use a wreck just like you. Isn't that true? We find in the Word of God, wreck after wreck after wreck, men and women who came to Jesus and were healed. And so verse 1, we find the words, getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. Now obviously, we're leaving last week's chapter, chapter 8, where we have the story of the Gadarene demoniac. Now, that's strange. Demoniac and Gadarene, well, the man was from Gadara. And that made him a Gadarene. And he was a demoniac because he was filled with demons. In fact, the demons said, we are legion, for we are many. And so you remember the story, so I'll, I'll not labor this point. But when uh, Jesus, when the demons asked to be uh, cast into the swine, Jesus cast the demon out of this man that we're going to call legion. And they went into the pigs too thousand pigs ran down the bank of the lake and drowned in the water. When they did that, the townspeople were irate. They were furious that Jesus had cast the demons out, but they found this wild man. This man had been demon-possessed. This man that the scriptures say was naked among the tombs. That's where he camped out. Chains, fetters could not hold him. The demons would break these chains off. He would cut himself. You've heard of people cutting themselves. He would cut himself with glass and metal objects. And so when Jesus and the disciples are getting into the boat, verse 1 of our chapter, he's wanting to go with them. And you don't blame him. Uh, the townspeople are angry, and he's the one that threw the fat in the fire to begin with. He wants to go with them. And Jesus said something very unique. I think it would be uh, applicable to us. And what he said was, no, you stay here and tell them what great things the Lord God has done for you. I like that. We all want to go with Jesus, but we're left to stay here and tell the world what great things Jesus has done for us. Now, the scripture says that he went out through Decapolis, and that means ten cities. And so we come to this part of our story in chapter uh, 9, verse 1, that they get in the boat 
and they go across the sea. Now it also says that Jesus came to his own city, and that is Capernaum. Capernaum. It was north of the Sea of Galilee. It was a great city, but even great cities have sick people. They have crippled people. They have diseased people. And so our story today picks up in verse 2 with the paralytic lying on the bed. Now Jesus noticed several things. One, they no Jesus noticed that the friends brought uh, the paralytic, the crippled man, to Jesus. Secondly, he noticed that the paralyzed man needed help, and Jesus was going to help him. And third, uh, he saw something else, and it's what Jesus looks for today in us. And why I bring this message. He looks for faith. He looks for faith. Oh, I'm a Christian, I believe. Are you expressing faith on a daily basis? Are you living by faith? Well, I'm a Christian and you're not going to take that from me. I don't want to take anything from you. I'm encouraging you. Make decisions based upon faith in Jesus Christ. What would Jesus do? And so, uh, does Jesus see our faith today? For Jesus to see our faith, we must be coming to him. We must be exercising faith in him. He saw faith. Now, I want to say, I want you to exercise faith in the midst of adversity. Adversity. When you're going through your worst time, exude faith. Express faith. Jesus' brother James expressed in his letter in the back of your New Testament, uh, James said that faith without deeds or faith without action is what? That's right. It's dead. Don't let that plague our lives. We claim we're Christian. We claim to have faith. Then let's have deeds and action to back it up because we don't want a dead faith and answer for that. Do we hunger for Christ the way we did when we came to Him for salvation? Uh, do we thirst for Him in our worship? Uh, do we tell Him that we love Him and that we will do anything for Him? You guys remember, uh, <laughs> well, some of you are going to remember Marvin Gaye. And he came out with a song back in, uh, it, well, it came out in public in 1967. Oh, I was a wee little lad. So, and here's, here's what the song, remember the song? I know you do. I know you remember the song. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough. What? Right. To keep me from coming to you. Wow. Is that not where we stand with Jesus? Can we not make that song a prayer? And that we would pray, God. There ain't, I, know, I know you're not supposed to use ain't, but I'm from the South, and we get to. And so, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no uh, valley low enough. Ain't, Lord Jesus, there's no river wide enough that's going to stop me from coming to worship you. That's going to stop me from living for you. Jesus, work in my life. I want to make a difference. And you pray that prayer. And you use that song as a prayer if you're, if you're not a good praying person. You're going, through a, uh, you're going through a bad time. Is there something you're going through right now that's causing you to fall away? Would, would getting cancer cause you to fall away? It, it didn't cause Karen Joranovich to fall away. Was it 14 years she went through cancer? And, and yet faithful, faithful, an example to us all. Would a disagreement in the church family cause you to fall away? 
Or the paralytic needed Jesus. His friends loaded him up. Maybe, maybe it was on a bed. Maybe it was on a lean-to. Maybe it was on just a, 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 a quilt they grabbed and they, they're hoisting him through the crowd. And the, the crowd was so thick in the home that they went up on the roof and they dug through the tiles and they lowered him down to Jesus. Wow. I, how, was that embarrassing to the paralytic? I don't know. But you know what? I do know his friends cared enough about him to get him to Jesus. And if you've got some friend in your life that is always asking you to come worship the Christ, if they're asking you to always come to Jesus, you, you need to thank God for a person like that. Because in America, there's not a lot of people knocking on your door these days saying, would you come worship with us? Am I right? Nobody's knocking on your doors asking you to come? And so, if you've got someone in your life saying, come, wow, you thank God for that person, and, and you come. Jesus said in verse 2, take courage, your sins are forgiven. You know more than his healing of being a paraplegic. Do you know more than that? He needed Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. And so, what about us today? More than needing a spouse, I, I know you're lonely, but more than needing a spouse, you need Jesus. Fill that part of your life first. More than needing healing from cancer, yes, you need healing from cancer, but before you do that, you need Jesus. And before you seek out a new gym or a new sports club, you need Jesus. And before you seek out a new vacation spot, oh, I know you need that vacation spot, but you seek Jesus. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by what? The word, every word of the word of God. Yes. Jesus came and died on a cross, raised from the grave, promised to come again for the faithful. Verse 3. Verse 3. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. Blasphemes. Now, were they concerned about him healing the cripple? No. What were they concerned about? That he claimed that he could forgive sins. And they said, that's blasphemy. Because nobody can forgive sins but, but God alone. And Jesus is God. And Jesus can forgive sins. And I want you to know that this idea of forgiveness and forgiving sin by the blood of Jesus Christ on a cross is a bone of contention. It was a bone of contention then. It's a bone of contention now, today. You better believe it is. It, it's very serious. See, our government does not mind that we meet in this little room. They don't care. They care when you go out there with the gospel because forgiveness of sins is a bone of contention even today. Now, let me give you an illustration. You want to go on a missions trip. But you're going to go to a closed country. And therefore, you're going to have to get a visa. You're going to have to fill out paperwork. And one of the questions on that paperwork are, one of the questions is, what do you do? They want to know who you are. Who's coming into that closed country? What do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a dentist. Ah, oh, come on in. I'm a carpenter. Come, come on in. Well, I'm a doctor. Uh, you come on in. I'm an athlete. I'm a chef. I'm a cook. You come on in. What do you do? I'm a preacher. Well, let's talk about that. 
I had it to happen to me. And that's how I know it happens. What do you do? We, we talk about Jesus. We, we talk about the blood. We talk about forgiveness of sins. Do you know they don't want you in their country? They don't. They've got their religions. They've got their false gods. I was told in India that they had 330 million false gods. I don't know how you count that many. But that's what I was told. It's a red flag if you believe in the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. It's a bone of contention that Jesus is the only Savior of the world, and he claimed to be the only Savior of the world. And listen, church, don't ever forget it. Carry this down deep in your heart. Jesus forgives sins, and he will forgive yours. Yeah, but you don't know, preacher, what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. I know Jesus, and I know that Jesus forgives sins no matter what you've done. We serve a great God. You guys ever been to a bakery? Of course you have. I would say that 90-something percent has been to a bakery. And then when you go into a bakery, it what? You go in and it just smells great. I don't know if it's the yeast and the rolls. I don't know if it's just the baking of that bread and that brickstone oven. I don't know what it is. It might be the sugar on those donuts. But when you get in there, you say, I'm in, I'm in heaven. Now, we know you're not in heaven, but we know what you mean when you said it. It, it, it means that the bakery and what goes on in there speaks to you. It means, wow, I've arrived. I'm at home. I love it. And that is what coming to Jesus does for the soul of men and women. I remember baptizing an elderly gentleman in one ministry. And <clears throat> at the baptistry, he said, I do not know why I waited so long. This is great. And I should have done it sooner. Older man. Older man. Wow. I can park here. I can live here. I'm at home here. I found it. I, I was in a restaurant uh, in a long line at the cash register, and therefore it put me beside the table of two ladies, and they were talking. And, and one lady said that, to her friend that she had been to the beach, and she said, I was at home. And, and that's what the beach does for some people. They, it just ministers to their spirit. And she spoke of it that it just, it blessed her heart to be on vacation. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm asking you, what about Jesus? How is your relationship with Jesus about this grace and this forgiveness and nothing else can touch that spot in your heart but the Lord Christ? In verse 4, we find <clears throat> these words, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? Because they, they said he was a blasphemer. Why are you thinking this evil in your heart? And Jesus knows our heart. He knows our heart today. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. Our sins will find us out. Let me go through several scriptures. Numbers uh, 32, 23. Numbers 32, 23. You have sinned against the Lord. Be sure that your sins will find you out. Luke 16, 15 to Pharisees. God knows your hearts. 
Romans 2.16, God will judge the secrets of men. Revelation 2, verse 2, Jesus to the church at Ephesus said, uh, I know your deeds. In Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Wow. He knows our hearts. We can hide it from the preacher. We can hide it from the elder, the Sunday school teacher. We can hide it from our spouse, but not for long because there's coming a day. Yeah, but I got away with it for 20 years, but you didn't get away with it. Wow. Miami Beach police arrested a homeless man. He, he broke into a car, and in the car, he found a credit card, and so he crossed the street to a bar, and he, he was going to order a drink, and he went to pay for it with the credit card, and the bartender said, that's my card. <laughs> he was caught. A, another guy went in, but he, he was robbing the, li the, the liquor store, and he, he got cash and a bottle of scotch, and the clerk said, well, i got to see if you're old enough. And the crook, the thief, pulled out his wallet and handed him his license. Here's your sign. It's, people are stupid. And I tell you what, we are stupid when we think we can sin and get away from, get away with it. it your sins are going to find you out every single time. Verse five, verse five says, "Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk?" And that's the test. Whoever can heal this broken man can forgive sins. And Jesus just spoke and said, get up, take up your mat, go home. And he, he didn't word it that way, but it's the same thing. In, in verse 6, we, we find the words, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. Now, I try to... I don't know if the man never walked or did he, through an injury, fell off a roof, working on tiles, no doubt. I don't know how he got hurt, but he is hurt, and, and I can't imagine if he was paralyzed all his life from infancy, I, I can't imagine that he could even put his brain together, how am I going to get up? That would take six months of therapy. That would take six years of therapy. But Jesus spoke in a second, and he's healed, not only his legs, but in his mindset. And he got up. He got up. You guys remember the story, don't you, of, uh, in Acts chapter 3, where Peter and John are going into the temple to pray, to worship. And there's a, there's a crippled man, a lame man there at the gate, and he asked them for money. That's what they did. And, he, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give to you, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he got up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. You guys remember when you were a child, we loved to run. Well, most of us. We, we loved to run and we loved to skip. You remember skipping? How cool is skipping? I believe when you're healed like that, you, you go walking, and you go running, and you go skipping, and you praise God, 
and you celebrate what great things the Lord your God has done in your life and why has the church stopped skipping? Why have we quit running? Why have we quit praising God? And I know, I know that you haven't, but a lot of people have. They've, they've, I call it they've become distracted in life and they're, they're no longer running and skipping and praising God, and I want you to get it back. Luke 5, 25 says, He went home glorifying God. And that's what I'm talking about. Get up. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, your legs are healed. You guys remember a time in your life where you hurt either emotionally, financially, physically. It doesn't matter how you hurt. It's real. But you hurt so bad that you begged. You may have cried. You begged God. For healing. Yeah. Yeah, we do, we do remember that. And, and when he healed, we were on cloud nine. How many weeks go by and we quit praising him? How many weeks, how many days, how many minutes or moments go by and we already, we're just, we're just back to normal. And, and normal might be a rut, but we're back to normal. And we quit praising. I want us to praise again. I want us to live and walk by faith. And so what is going on here? What's the big deal about this? Is it showing us Jesus' authority? His authority. In verse 8, when the crowd saw, uh, they, uh, saw this, they were awestruck. Awestruck. Awestruck literally meant they were afraid that God had given man this kind of power. Who is this man? Has anything caught your eye lately? Have you seen anything remarkable? And I don't mean through uh, a million dollar producer and, 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 uh, and half a million dollar cameras that shoot beautiful pictures and, and actors that are paid multi-millions. I'm talking about something in your neighborhood, something where you live. Has something awesome happened to you lately? Remarkable things? People who see remarkable things act remarkably for Jesus. It's just the way it is. In India, the shepherd people today, not Bible times, India, today, the shepherd people are an unclean people. They are a low caste, no hope. You cannot even touch a shepherd. And yet the, the Christians will go and speak to the shepherd people and they would tell them that God loves you. They find that very difficult to believe because they're nothing in, in their culture, in their society. And yet uh, they tell them that you are valuable. And how so? They, they will read them Luke's Gospel chapter 2 on the birth of Jesus and the very first people God sent angels to to tell them about the Savior of the world being born were who? It was the shepherds. And the shepherds, when they hear that, they feel like God can love me too. God can love me. That makes you valuable. That makes you of high esteem. It makes you worthy. And the shepherd people are coming to Christ. And so I ask the question, what has wowed you lately? You know, our, our ministry here has supported, uh, well, we, not monthly, but we sent a gift to ARM. And ARM stands for American 
rehabilitation ministries. And, and, and it's, it's helping people in prison. That's, that's what it is. And so they put out a plea. Arm has put more communion table baptistries in prisons than anybody else, to my knowledge. To my knowledge. And so this is the thank you card that we got back uh, just recently. And it says, Dear Ministry Partner, July, uh, thank you for your partnering with Arm in helping prisoners find transformation out of their sins, touched through the gospel. In 2020, nearly 45,000 prisoners were baptized in these baptistries. That was just in 2020. 45,000 prisoners, and you make that possible. Thank you, Christian Church of Mantino. <clears throat> Isn't that phenomenal? That ought to wow us. Wow us to the point that we're, we're ready to do it again. How many of you ever rode, rode, rode a roller coaster? Anybody? Did you like it? Oh, yeah. I remember going to an amusement park in the uh, eastern part of Virginia. And uh, doggone, I can't remember the name of that roller coaster. But I was in Bible college. And then I went back again when I was a youth minister. And I, I just couldn't quit rolling, riding this uh, ro roller coaster. I mean, man, it, at the time in the country, it was the longest, steepest drop. And <laughs> I love it. You just got to go back again and literally get off of it and run. Well, I was young. Run back to get back in line and ride. I rode it 13 times that day. No, really, 13 times. And uh, you probably are like that too. Well, one or two of you. Well, when you do something, whether it's helping the, the Jaja family unload a, 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 a truck or or whatever it might be, it just makes you feel so good serving Jesus that I gotta, I've got to do it again. Back in May, I didn't know how we were going to go to the church camp every Thursday and cook and clean up the cafeteria and kitchen. But boy, talk to the people that are going every Thursday, and, and they will tell you how much fun it is until last Thursday. No, no, even last Thursday, even though you said you had 150 kids come, and we had been serving 30 to 50. Did you hear that? That was a wow. Yeah, but you know what? We're having a blast. It's because we have a blast serving Jesus. We have a blast serving Jesus. And so, getting ready to close, Jesus noticed their faith. And faith without action, faith without deeds is dead. And if you can't feel anything for Jesus, I may have just described you. We're talking about faith and living. So I'm asking in closing, what's crippling you? What's cutting in on you being committed or dedicated uh, or, or faithful? Are, are you not soaring like you once did in your Christian walk? Has something got you broken? Are you afraid? Are you backsliding? Has some, has some sin crippled you? Has some demon jumped on your back and you can't shake him? And you need Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that's going to shake a demon. So, has a certain thought pattern possessed you? 
possess your thinking and your mind. During World War II, a B-29 bomber, during an attack on Tokyo, uh, the plane lost two of its four engines. And the captain said, I've never believed in ditching a ship as long as it's flying. Let's make it home. And what they did, they began to throw out everything they possibly could. They even threw out armor and ammunition. They had a thousand miles back on two engines. They landed that plane on the sands of Saipan. <clears throat> Church, if we're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to unload some stuff. Some of us don't even look like the church anymore. We don't, even, we don't even resemble Christ anymore. We've got to unpack. We've got to throw some stuff overboard. There are destructive habits in our life. There's unhealthy relationships in our life. And it might be the obsession of greed. We've got to have more. It might be a poison called racism. It might be a crippling attitude, but whatever is holding you back, get rid of it before it causes you to lose heaven and your passion for being with Jesus. Get up. Your sins are forgiven. Let's pray. Lord Christ, thank you for telling us that we can have forgiveness in your name. Thank you, dear God, that we have witnessed with our own eyes people being baptized into Christ. People have come and confessed the name of the Lord. People have repented in private prayer of their sins. And they have gone to the waters, whether it's a swimming pool, a, a creek, a river, a, a pond, a lake, the ocean, or a baptistry like the one behind me today. They were baptized the way they were in the Bible times. They were immersed into a burial and raised to walk in new life. And we celebrate that today. May someone come today, Father, and want that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing. If you have a decision, it might be you just need prayer. You come. It might be that you want to rededicate your life to Christ. You come. It may be that you want to be baptized into Christ. You come.